Hi, listeners. Today's guest is Bob Proctor talking about the importance of self-image. On page 22 in your action planner, I want to suggest that you take the chapter on the image maker and read it over a couple of times. Not once, read it over two or three times. I have found that as we read things over, they start to take on a different meaning. I read somewhere in a book where it said, when you read a good book through the second time, you don't see something in it you didn't see before, you see something in yourself that wasn't there before. So as we go through this chapter a couple of times, we'll start to relate to it a little different. Now, I want to suggest that at the end of this particular lesson, you sit down with the new understanding that you have from the information we've already covered and stop and ask yourself, what areas of my life would I really like to change? Take a look at some of the results you're getting at the bottom of page 22 and list some of the results you'd like to change. Now at the top of page 23 is a quote that come out of Maxwell Maltz's classic, Psycho-Cybernetics. Psyche being Greek for mind, cybernetics being the science of control and communication in our marvelous mind. Now, Maltz said, we act, we behave, and feel. Now think of what we're talking about here. We act, we behave, and we feel. The vibration that we're in most of the time, according to what we consider our self-image to be. And we do not deviate from that pattern. This is the one stumbling block that many people have. You're going to hear from a man in a few minutes that made a phenomenal change just through understanding this one idea. And I'm going to tell you, the man was brilliant when he, under when he got the idea. It was just one small change. This could be the one you want to make. Now, Maltz explained that the image you hold of yourself is a premise, a base, or a foundation. It's nothing but an idea in your mind upon which your entire personality is built. He concluded this image not only controls your behavior, yet controls your circumstance as well. Now, it would take a respectable understanding to grasp that. How could an idea in our mind literally change the circumstances in our life? Well, by the time you finish this seminar, the various subjects in it, you're going to know exactly how those circumstances can change. It'll be very clear to you. But I can assure you, you alter this image in your mind that John was talking about. You take this idea of what you want to be and learn how to plant it in here and release this idea like that, your life will change. And you're going to hear from someone who made a big change. Now, let's take a look at this idea of cybernetics. You know, a number of years ago, many years ago, I bought this book. It was out around 1960, and it was shortly after that I got it. And like most of these books I get, I read it over and over and over again. Now, let me digress for a second. I was in a seminar that Dr. Harry Roeder was conducting. And I'm going to tell you, this man is brilliant. 
he has an enormous amount of information of why we do what we do. And I remember we were working with a loose leaf exercise book. It was in Chicago that I was in the seminar, although Dr. Roder is a Canadian. And he said something that really sunk in, and on the first page in the book, I wrote it. He said, you do not understand something until you can explain it to someone else so that they understand it. Now run that through your computer a couple of times. You do not understand something until you can explain it to someone else so that they understand it. Now that was written in a book a long time ago. I wrote it as Harry said it. I'd read this book before that. And I read it off and on every year or two. I'll read it a couple of times. Someone came up to me in a seminar one day years ago, and they said, Bob, do you know what cybernetics means? And I said, yeah. They said, well, what does it mean? I said, well, it's, um, uh, uh. and all I could see was the front page of that book where Dr. Roder said, you do not understand something until you can explain it to someone else so that they understand. And I didn't know how to explain it. Now, this chapter or this paragraph on page 23 is right out of this book. I went and got the book out again and I started to study it. And I got some other books on cybernetics, some real heavy stuff, and I started to study it. Now, let's read it. Cybernetics is a science of control and communication in the animal and in some machines. It is based on the fact that both biological organisms and some machines have sensors that measure deviation from a set goal. These sensors signal feedback into a coordinating mechanism, your nervous system, which corrects the output or the behavior of those same organisms or machines. Now, if you're reading a page and you go spinning past that paragraph, I think you'll have to admit it'd be pretty easy not to understand what you've just read. Now, you just read, in fact, I read it to you and you probably followed me. You might ask yourself, could you really explain that to someone? Well, I obviously couldn't. That's why it's so essential that we listen to this over and over again. A couple of us were talking at the break, and this gentleman just came back. He came back, he'd just been through the seminar, he came back through it again. And he says, it's so much different. And I said, every time you go through it, it's different. I said, that's because you're operating with a higher awareness, and you'll see things you weren't able to see before. Now, turn over onto page 24. This page could be worth its weight in gold along with the other two pages. Let's let this circle that you see at the top of the page, you're at the top of page 24, let that represent a thermostat in your home. And we take this thermostat and we set the dial to control the room temperature at 72 degrees. That is the set goal. Now, what they say? It says it has a sensor in it to measure deviation from a set goal. It signals this deviation into a coordinating mechanism, which then corrects the output. Let's suppose the room temperature is at 72 degrees. Someone leaves the front door open, and it's cold. You're in the northern part of North America, 
and the temperature drops quickly to 68 degrees. The sensor in the thermostat picks up that deviation. It sends a message through the electrical system in the house to the furnace. The fire's turned on, the fan's turned on, until that room temperature is brought back under control again at 72, then it cuts out. Let's look at it in another machine. We'll say this is an airplane. Well, that wasn't nice. <laughs> I'll bet you couldn't draw it any better. <laughs> it's quite obvious I haven't majored in art. Like the guy said he majored in the minors. All right. Now, this airplane, let's suppose it leaves Pearson International Airport in Toronto, and it's going to LAX or Los Angeles in California. When the pilot leaves the vicinity of the International Airport here in Toronto, the pilot sets a cybernetic mechanism. That's called an automatic pilot. Then you see the guy with the four stripes wander down the plane and, how are you today, sir? You having a nice trip? Enjoying yourself, ma'am? I used to sit there and I think, why doesn't he get back in that room up front? <laughs> I didn't feel particularly comfortable screaming through the sky at that height and the guy that's in charge of the ship wandering around, you know, inquiring as to the state of my health. But I would feel much healthier if I didn't see you wandering around this plane. But it didn't make any difference. He could have come back and sat with us. That plane was under control. It had an automatic pilot, a cybernetic mechanism. Now, let's suppose that airplane got hit with some unexpected turbulence and bang, it got knocked off course. The automatic pilot would pick up the deviation from the set goal. If it didn't, this thing might end up somewhere down around Juarez, Mexico. It signals a message through the electrical system in the airplane. The wings are changed. The engine thrust is changed, and that plane is brought right back under control again. Now come down and take a look at these two people on page 24. We'll just draw one. This person has an image in their mind. I'll use a concept that we could all relate to. Let's suppose this person's a salesperson or they're a student. You could use either one. Let's suppose the salesperson sells a million dollars worth of their product or service every year. Do you know large sales organizations can pretty well tell you what their sales force is going to write at the beginning of the year. If they have a contest and they send them off to some exotic place on a trip for writing so much business and they name where they're going to go today and they're not going to go for a year, do you know that they can book the seats on the plane now? They know exactly how many rooms that they're going to rent? That's because people very rarely deviate from their set objective. They're locked into a habit pattern. What we could switch this, and let's say it's a student that gets a C average. Now, this salesperson may get a real pep talk in a sales meeting or something. No understanding, just motivation, no education. They get all wound up, and they go out, and in a week, they write $350,000 worth of business. Their self-image, 
picks up the deviation from the set goal, sends it into a coordinating mechanism, the nervous system, a signal is sent, and the behavioral patterns will change, and that person will quit selling until they're back on course again. Now, they may go through a period where they write nothing for a month. Self-image picks up that information, sends a message through the nervous system, the behavioral patterns will change, they'll get up and they'll start selling again. But at the end of the year, they still have written a million dollars worth of business. Let's suppose it's a student that's getting a C average. They bring the report card home, parents turn the heat up, turn the TV off, bicycle goes, girlfriends, boyfriends are out of the picture. Rarely put the pressure on the kid, the marks shoot up and they get 100% on a test. Self-image picks up that information, sends a message to the nervous system, the behavioral patterns will change, and pretty soon that child's back on course again. What's causing the problem? It's this image in here. That's what it is. That's not what they want to be, but that's what they are. At the bottom of the page, that drawing. On page 25, results in control of you, you in control of results. And that wraps up today's show. If you like this episode and you want more content, consider subscribing to the podcast and also consider joining the newsletter to read my thoughts about today's episode. You can also join the Discord and leverage our community to stay motivated. And lastly, you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. That's it for me today. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode.